0: This is the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. Arbitrage in the crypto space has become huge business. That's because you typically pay a higher price on overseas exchanges than you do in South Africa. Cryptos like Bitcoin can be bought overseas and then shipped to South African exchanges and sold more or less straight away for a profit. That's arbitrage. One of the leading providers of crypto arbitrage services in South Africa is Ovex, founded by John Ovadia, who joins us now to explore some recent trends in crypto. Welcome, John. Thanks, Keo. All the way up from Cape Town. Yeah. Good to have you. Let's talk about the types of arbitrage. You were a pioneer in this space, and we've just described what is a basic form of arbitrage. It's exploiting price differences in different markets uh, for a risk-free profit. And this is something that people have a lot of trouble understanding, that it is actually risk-free. You're not holding on to that asset for any length of time, right? So maybe just give us a, a typical example of how you do it.
1: Yeah, sure. So um, essentially, the way we do it is we have a provider offshore, um, a partner of ours. Uh, our South African clients send funds to the partner. The partner will convert uh, the USD that is externalized into TUSD, which is a stable coin, which we immediately sell to RANDs for the clients via our OTC desk Right. For, uh, for profit.
0: Right. Just to be clear, a TUSD, that's a trust USD. It's a stable coin, meaning it's backed one-to-one by the dollar. Yeah. But it is a crypto. It's not a US dollar.
1: Yeah, correct. It's a crypto-backed US dollar. So they hold a treasury of dollars uh, that back every every uh, token that they issue.
0: Now, just explain why it is that these cryptos can be sold for a higher price in South Africa than they can overseas.
1: So it's because of the limited supply of cryptocurrency in South Africa. So the only way for the South African to buy cryptocurrency is to buy it from another South African that has cryptocurrency. They can't, well, I mean, you can go up to a million rand, you can externalize it yourself, but it's a big mission, it takes a few days. Uh, And usually when someone wants to buy Bitcoin, they want to buy it right now. They don't want to send money overseas and wait, to, and then buy it. Um, so in order to do that, you deposit money into a local exchange and you buy from a local South African and therefore there's more buyers and sellers causing the price to be a bit higher.
0: Now, if you were to buy a US dollar stable coin in South Africa, and there are a few of them, right? There's Tether, there's USDC.
1: Yeah, sure. We have quite a few on our platform.
0: Right. You could actually pay rands for that. What about the exchange control implications? Because you could then go overseas and you could cash those in overseas.
1: Yeah, sure. So on our, on our exchange, you can buy basically a limited Bitcoin um, or any stablecoin, And it's the preferred on-ramp to crypto, the stablecoin. So there's no exchange control on it currently. Um, you do pay a premium. So it's uh, it's not that attractive compared to uh, the regular routes. If you can go through a bank, you're much better off going through the bank to externalize money. Um, but yeah, that is one of the things about crypto is you are essentially getting an offshore hedge an offshore
0: investment. Completely outside of the exchange control regulations by the looks of things. That might change in the future.
1: Yeah, it looks like it, it might. I don't think it should be regulated like a, like a currency. I think crypto should be more regulated like a commodity. But let's see. I mean, it's similar to buying gold, like a gold coin or something like that. If you're going to externalize, you're not allowed to externalize. So you're allowed to buy crypto uh, but you're not allowed to sell it overseas. It's the same mm-hmm. as like a gold coin. You can buy as much gold coins as you want. You're not allowed to take them all overseas and sell them. Right. So I think that's how it should be regulated.
0: Yeah, I mean th- th- that is the regulation. But of course, technically, it's very easy to ship it overseas if you yeah. have an account with Kraken or Coinbase or one. It's very of those other easy for
1: the reserve bank to see that as well, though. So if you were to do that, you'd be uh, it would be very obvious what you did. Um, yeah, there's a joke I heard uh, the F B I called Bitcoin. Uh, they called them uh, prosecution futures <laughs> because it's all people, people who do uh, nefarious acts. It's all completely transparent, on chain, and any uh, regulator can go see exactly where the funds flew.
0: I think Janet Yellen, who's the newly appointed, um, what what is the position? The Treasury Secretary yeah. in the United so, States, uh, again coming out with this this meme that uh, Bitcoin is a uh, is a fraud, basically implying, I forget the exact words, implying that it's a vehicle for illegal trade. Yeah,
1: that's what uh, that's the latest FUD on the market. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think so. I think Bitcoin, uh, definitely every, uh, every asset, can, be, everything, every technology can be used for good or bad. I don't think, I think they said something like 93% of crypto activity is, uh, is nefarious. I think that can't possibly be true. I think 90% of the moment is speculative, which isn't the ultimate uh, use case for it. But I would imagine that's probably
0: most of the activity right now. Just give us a sense of how the arbitrage market, the crypto arbitrage market has evolved over the last few years. You've been at this now for, for quite some time, both in terms of volume and the different types of arbitrage. How's that evolution gone?
1: Yeah, so it's always been there. Our, so our latest investor, we just closed the strategic investment round from a company called Alameda Research. And uh, they own an exchange called FTX. And Alameda, what they do is they're uh, a uh, market maker in the crypto-to-crypto world, and uh, they trade those ARBs pretty much. So between, uh, between different cryptocurrencies, between Spot and Futures, um, all those different ARBs. And they made, uh, I think it was a couple hundred million dollars a few years ago trading uh, those ARBs. So it's big, big, uh, they they basically a, a, a fund uh, in that part of their business. They manage money all on right. behalf of
0: clients. And, and ARB, of course, is short for arbitrage, right? Yeah, arbitrage, Okay. So let's just drill into this a little bit. There, the different types of arbitrage that exist in the crypto space. So f- first of all, you've got uh, locational arbitrage. That's pretty much what we started off talking about where, for example, you would buy, you would ship RANS out to Kraken, which is an overseas exchange. You would buy Bitcoin and you would then immediately ship that back to South Africa where you would expect to make maybe three, 4% profit on that. But you'd That's risk free. Pretty much risk free. The only risk you got is that the Bitcoin price drops while the the Bitcoin is being shipped. Yeah,
1: but our with our OTC desk, you don't have that risk because we extend a credit line to large clients. So you can uh, when you buy the crypto on Kraken, you can sell it on our OTC desk without actually holding the Bitcoin with us. And then once you've bought it on Kraken, you send it over to us. settles the trade and you have your rounds out. So you actually don't have that risk if you use us.
0: Right, so with Ovex you can actually lock in your profit from the moment that you trigger the trade.
1: Exactly, yeah, instantly pretty much. You can lock in your profit, so there's, there's, true, there's zero risk. The only risk are systematic risks, um, like the bank uh, going under or things like that, like one of our providers being hacked or so on. But those are very, very small and you gotta consider them. And the money's also not there for very long. And the banks are pretty safe.
0: What is the typical arbitrage gap at the moment?
1: Our clients are seeing about 2.2 to 2.8 net of all fees at the moment. Okay. So for the last three, four weeks, that's what our clients have been getting.
0: And just describe the fees. What are they? I so think we
1: charge a flat 1% fee. So on the trade amount, for example, if uh, you're trading 50,000 Rand, we charge 1%. So it's 500 Rand each trade.
0: Right. They're not also Forex fees on top there
1: of that. There are slight Forex fees. So we don't take a margin on the Forex. Uh, the bank charges a little fee. It's about 0.3%. Between 0. 0.25 and 0.3 percent on the mid market rate, so the rate you see on Google. Add 0. 0.25 to that. That's that's the spread our clients get.
0: Okay, so you're making on every arbitrage move, and you could pretty much do this daily or every two days. Currently,
1: uh, we're doing it every two days because the banks are struggling to do same day settlement. Um, but we're working on solutions with the big banks, and I think we're going to have some very good ones soon to do daily.
0: Right, Large and of course, in order to do this, you have to use your allowance. So you get a discretionary allowance for your travel, which is 1 million rand a year, and then you have an investment allowance of 10 million rand a year per person, provided you're tax compliant. You've got to get a tax certificate for yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay, let's talk about some of the other types of arbitrage. We've got a thing here called triangular arbitrage. What is that?
1: So that's um, arbitrage between, say, three pairs uh, on three different exchanges. So, for example say you got a Bitcoin uh, USDT market on one exchange, Uh, then let's say you have a Bitcoin Ethereum market on another exchange, and then you have an Ethereum USDT market on another exchange. And then uh, the triangular arbitrage is you buy on the one, the one exchange, sell on the next one. So you're going from let's say USDT back into USDT. You're buying Bitcoin, selling Bitcoin for Ethereum, selling Ethereum back for USDT. that forms a triangle between the three pairs and then you you end up with a profit you just got to go find those uh those triangles with the largest profit margins
0: right usdt being usd tether yeah right which again is a stable coin backed one-to-one by the US exactly
1: that's a it's a much much bigger stable coin than trust token which is the one we use trust token has a market cap of about 300 million dollars um and we have a partnership with the with their founding team we're very close with them so that's why that's why we use them and then Tether has a market cap of about $30 billion, $36 right. billion.
0: Are there not some concerns about Tether, whether it is actually in fact There backed were. There was a lot,
1: of, uh, a lot of uh, concerns. Um, and there was um, some issue where Bitfinex, uh, it's a big exchange who owns Tether, started Tether. They took a $500 million loan from Tether um, backed by equity in Bitfinex, meaning Tether wasn't uh, 100% backed at some point, but it was backed by Bitfinex equity, and Bitfinex was a massive exchange uh, making a lot of money. But since then, they've completely sorted all that out. They've paid back every cent. Um, the uh, New York Attorney General did a, a uh, full uh, investigation and audit and just came out um, saying that uh, Tether's fine. And it was quite a lot of celebration because people were saying that Tether was printing fake Tethers and that they were propping the price up, which is not true. Tether is uh, it's a very solid coin with, with very strong liquidity. I mean, on our desk, we trade probably four or $5 million of Tether every single day. Um, so people are definitely paying one-to-one for Tether, often usually more
0: than one. Okay, so this triangular arbitrage is basically switching between different types of cryptos, between stablecoin, between, for example, Bitcoin and Ethereum. Now you can't do that manually. You've got to have a program which is monitoring yeah. these prices. In no, those term. have
1: to all be automated. So you need, yeah, it has to be algorithmic trading. We're starting a division now at OVEX uh, of algorithmic trading. We've got some very good devs working on, on uh, different strategies. And like I was mentioned to you earlier, uh, we're going to launch a fund at some point that will run these uh, these ARBs. We're just okay. looking how to do it from a regulatory perspective.
0: Okay, uh, the, are there regulatory issues there?
1: There aren't, but uh, you can because it's crypto; it's unregulated. You can just uh, you can just do it. But we want to make sure that um, that it is regulated, that it's like in the most compliant manner. Whether it's uh, only accredited investors, we'll have to see. We're looking now as well. We're seeing how we can try wrap cryptocurrency products in a regulated uh, product basically. One way is essentially we're considering starting a public company that will then buy cryptocurrencies. So we'll buy let's say Bitcoin for example um, and then listing that public company and therefore people can invest in the public company say through their broker or through the JSE whatever it is completely regulated the whole investment instrument and then the public company will be regulated as a public company. So it would add a lot more legitimacy. It will make it a lot more open and accessible to institutions. We're looking at doing that at the moment.
0: That's pretty much the, the grayscale model. the grayscale that's exactly Bitcoin trust, right? Yeah. So basically, just to explain that, that's because a lot of companies, their investment mandates don't allow them to invest directly in crypto, but they can invest in grayscale, which is a share.
1: Yeah. So it's in South likely. Africa, no institution can invest in crypto because it's a completely unregulated product. It would be like investing in like art
0: or sneakers. Right. I don't know if you paid much attention to what Michael Saylor's been doing at MicroStrategy and the investment conference that he had (laughs) recently where he's explaining why he's shifting all of his cash into Bitcoin. And it's a very interesting and persuasive argument when you listen to him, because what he's done is he's gone back through about 60, 70 years of history. And he says the US dollar is depreciating at 3.4% per year. And he says, if you project that forward 20%, your big risk is holding cash over that period of time. Hence, Mm he's moving to Bitcoin. So he's not really concerned Last week, for example, he bought at uh, he bought Bitcoin, one billion dollars worth at fifty two thousand yeah. dollars per Bitcoin, and then it dropped. <laughs> but he doesn't care about that. He's measuring his wealth in Bitcoin now. It does take a, a hell of a leap, doesn't it, to try and get into that way of thinking?
1: It does, yeah. But if you if you look at it, it's actually quite quite clear. If you look at Bitcoin on, let's say, you plot a price every, let's say, two years, only goes up. So that's that's his perspective. He's looking at it at a a minimum two-year time frame, but he's he's looking like way longer, and it's literally never gone down. If you if you look like that in the middle, it goes up and down, mm. but uh, the long-term trajectory is 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 clear.
0: All right, there is another type of arbitrage here. It's called futures funding arbitrage. Can you explain that one?
1: Yeah, sure. So there's a arbitrage. So when you buy a futures contract, let's say you go long one Bitcoin, uh, you have to pay a, what's called funding. So every day, you have to, every eight hours, or depending on the platform you have to pay a fee for being long. But the way it works is the people who are short, they get paid a fee. So if you're long, you pay. If you're short, you get paid. And this, this is in order to keep the futures price um, similar to spot, so it's to bring it down. So if the price is getting too high, people are long must pay, therefore it comes down a little bit. So if you look at those uh, funding rates between different exchanges, uh, you'll see sometimes there are different, there are little arbitrages there between those funding rates.
0: And again, I guess this is something you could only do with some very sophisticated software yeah. to track it.
1: Absolutely. So this would need uh, sophisticated software. You need access to quite a lot of uh, low-cost capital. You could yield about thirty, forty, sometimes as high as fifty percent APR on those arbitrage on those ARBs, and they risk just, just explain APR. APR. So it's uh, annual percentage uh, rate. I think APR. Yeah, your yeah. interest rate. Your interest rate. Yeah. yeah. So fifty percent a year, basically, on US dollars which is obviously a phenomenal uh, return, and it's risk-free. Yeah? So it's basically you'll have X dollars plus 50% at the end of the period.
0: Is this something that you're working on as well?
1: This is indeed, yeah. So our uh, algorithmic trading arm is working on all of these strategies pretty much. Um, we've got very, very profitable ones going. We're looking at securing quite a lot of, of funding, USD debt we're looking at, through also things like DeFi is a great place to go, to go get to USD debt at it's expensive, you're paying 15% a year or so on dollars, but um, the opportunities are there to make a lot more. So once this is properly uh, up and running, we're gonna, you know, and, and once we have a clear idea of how we want to package it regulatory
0: wise, well, we're gonna open it up to our clients, which is quite exciting. And what clients are you pitching that at? Would that be the high net worth? Would it be companies?
1: We would like to do it to anyone. So we'd like to make it open to anyone. Um, the regulations is the only thing that would that would potentially hinder that. Uh, but we'd like to make it, you go on the platform, you deposit probably a minimum of like 10,000 rand, and then you can earn your 5,000 rand a year. Okay. But then high net worth, that's where the big, that's where it's really attractive.
0: What about spot future arbitrage? What is yeah, that?
1: Sure. So that's a... Uh, so, it's the same thing with the futures markets. So you have the futures markets and you have the spot. Spot is the actual Bitcoin. Futures are essentially a, a, like a contract between two parties that say, I'm going to pay you the difference uh, in price from now and when I exit my position. Spot is the actual physical Bitcoin. So, what happens is most of the volume happens in the futures markets because people can get leverage, which means they can put in 100,000 Rand and buy 10 million Rand worth of Bitcoin. So, often on the futures markets, because you have that leverage, uh the price is a bit higher. So let's say Bitcoin's trading at forty thousand, let's say fifty thousand dollars on spot, it could it will trade at fifty one thousand on futures. So what you can do is you can buy uh spot, sell futures. You've now made one thousand dollars. Um and then you wait for that future to expire. And that future will expire at spot. So all you do is you buy you buy a spot, you sell futures, you wait for your futures contract to expire. Now it expires, you sell your spot and you've made a risk-free $1,000 in that example.
0: Is that becoming a, a big
1: thing? Yeah, so the OBS, they are getting obviously smaller and smaller because people are all taking advantage of them. Um, you're looking at like 0.1%, 0.2% OBS can often take weeks uh, for the contracts to expire. You can also trade those OBS up and down. So you buy it when the OBS are big, you sell it when the OBS small. Worst case, you have to hold it till it expires and you still make a profit. So the beauty of it is it's risk-free. The opportunities are not massive. They're not the 4 5% we get here. But uh, they're also unlimited. So you can put uh, 100 million Rand to work there if you want. and It will just generate yield. Our backtesting, I think we've got, um, our algorithm was producing like 5% a week. Uh, quite reliably. But then often there will be, weeks and it does nothing
0: all right the bulk of Ovix's business is this locational arbitrage right where you're buying a crypto asset overseas you're shipping it to south africa but you've already explained because you extend a credit line to your customers there's no risk of holding that at all so the moment yeah. you you can lock in that trade Instant. from the moment that you pull the trigger
1: exactly
0: um that, that is the main part of your business correct that's
1: the main part yeah so well the our arbitrage service is probably about 20 to 30 percent of the business then the, the rest of the business is our OTC desk, although a lot of people are doing arbitrage on the OTC desk. So OTC desk is essentially a desk where you can contact, our main communication is WhatsApp. We are building a custom app at the moment that will probably be out in a few months, but so we're using WhatsApp. It's only for high volume traders, so minimum 250,000 around trades. Alternatively, clients can request a quote on our website, there's no minimum there. So how it works is you uh, request a quote, you get your quote, you accept or reject the quote, and the trade is instantly locked in. You have 10 seconds to accept or reject the quote. So it's quite a nice uh, user experience compared to going to an exchange where the price is constantly moving. It's similar to like the instant buy feature on most exchanges, but on our exchange it's the default, and it's uh, low cost and you can get a quote that you can see for 10 seconds.
0: I think it's worth explaining that also, the advantage of what you've just been describing, if you're dealing with a large amount of money, you know, several million rands, you wanna buy some Bitcoin, you're going to have trouble fulfilling that on the normal exchanges yeah, exactly. it's going to get broken up and it it could take a long time to settle you are going to do it in one hit right one hit so
1: any amount of money you say i want to buy 5 million rand we give you a price you accept or reject it once it's accepted the trade's done you've got your 5 million rand of bitcoin doing that on any other platform will take you hours you're exposed to the price risk and if you try to do it in one shot it's going to cost you like 4 5% in what's called slippage
0: okay Last time you came and spoke to us, I uh, asked you for your prediction on Bitcoin, and I remember it distinctly. You said this year we're going to see one and a half million Rand, right? Yeah. We're still on target for that? Definitely. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: They're $100, $100,000. $100,000, now. Yeah.
1: Okay. I think it uh, could even be conservative at this point. That was pre Elon Musk. Right. Putting uh, 1.5 billion. And right. apparently, t- apparently uh, Twitter's going to put a billion dollars in there.
0: Are we not going to face the problem that there's going to be a shortage?
1: Well, there's no shortage because the price just goes up. So that's what happens when there's a shortage, prices goes up, people just buy less. Yeah, but, <laughs> the, their, but the the evidence does suggest
0: market. now, in, particularly in the last year, that people are holding more than they're selling.
1: Yeah, so the only consequence of that is the price going up.
0: Okay, so Ovex, ex- big plans. You've got uh, quite a few things that are coming up. You're, you're launching a various other types of arbitrage, triangular arbitrage, futures funding arbitrage, and you've got algorithmic, in brains behind this that are going to work all this out. And uh, just to make clear, that what you're aiming for here is risk-free profits.
1: Risk-free, completely risk. Uh,
0: They're called? not huge profits, but they accumulate over time.
1: Yeah, exactly. So each trade can be 0.1%, uh, something like that, but it's completely risk-free. There's, like no, there's no chance of the trade going bad.
0: Now, for that 0.1%, would you be using your foreign exchange allowance at all?
1: No, so these ones they wouldn't be. So we would be able to put unlimited capital to work there, which is which is very
0: cool. For which ones in particular are we talking about now?
1: So the uh, futures funding, the triangular, and the uh, the spot spot future. future arbitrage, spot future arbitrage. So all of those we could put hundreds of millions in, and there's liquidity to put even billions of rands. And mm-hmm. the the returns are like they're quite insane if you're looking at forty, fifty percent. Because mm-hmm. if you can go to the bank, borrow money at let's say seven, ten, let's say ten percent, so you really Better. like you're paying a lot, you pay 15%. Now yeah, you're making 50%. Yep. So there's an R between
0: that. Right, in- interest rate arbitrage, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> there's another R. Um, of course, one of the things that people are doing now in the decentralized finance space is, if you have Bitcoin, and of course, a lot of people have been sitting there, they were miserable, you know, they were a pain to be around, especially during <laughs> 2018 when the price was dropping because they were complaining so much. But now, of course, they're delighted because what you can do is, you can actually go and borrow against that Bitcoin. So they're leveraging up their position. With that borrowed money, they're either staking it, they, they're using that borrowed money to buy US dollar stable coins, which you can stake, in other words, earn interest on, at what, 11%, 12% per year?
1: Yeah, on DeFi, it's about it.
0: With a, with a cost of 1%. So you're making a free 10% uh, per year by locking that up. Yeah. And what other people are doing, of course, is they're leveraging up their Bitcoin positions. So they, they use their Bitcoin as collateral borrow against it and buy more Bitcoin. Yeah, that's and, a lot of people do that. And an example of that is Michael Saylor. He just went out and he bought $10 billion, like billion to buy dollars Bitcoin. Was no, 10 billion. It was 10 billion. Yeah.
1: Crazy. Yeah. yeah. So he did it. Apparently, Twitter are doing the same. So let's see. Yeah. I think uh, those companies have more than enough cash to maintain the debt. So it means they're able to take a long enough time, a long enough year, long enough time frame. Yep. So they almost, yeah. Well, in their mind, they're, they're very low risk. Uh, like a normal person should never do that because if the price goes down, and um, they're unable to service their debt, they're gonna have to sell the Bitcoin for a loss yep. to cover the debt, and then they're just really in a terrible y- position.
0: Yes, that's right. Very strong word of caution here, that th- this is high risk, the volatility of cryptos is enormous, yep. and nice. if you're borrowing against it, when you're pledging your collateral, if the price drops, I think a lot of these exchanges now, you, have to, you can only borrow 25% of the yep. value of your collateral. It does give you a big cushion, but if it does drop down through that level, you know, your loan is liquidated, you get a penalty charge on top of that. Yeah, and you lose all your money. And you lose all your money, yeah. Well, you'll get back if there's anything left. Yeah,
1: if they liquidate you before you lose everything. All right. But often they won't.
0: Okay, John, final question here. You're about to also launch a new service for your clients, basically automating the foreign investment allowance application. Is that right? Just explain that.
1: Yeah, correct. So um, to do the regular arbitrage, the one that we do mostly, which is obviously the biggest one, about 4 to 5%, or 2 to 5%, um, you have to use your allowance, your foreign exchange allowance. So you have uh, two allowances. One is your single discretion allowance, uh, your SDA, which is 1 million rand, and the other one is your foreign investment allowance, which is 10 million rand. Um, so every South African citizen has those two allowances. In order to use your SDA, it's very straightforward. Um, You don't need any paperwork. You simply send the money out. Um, You stop at a million, and that's that. It's it's quite nice and easy. To do the FIA, you have to apply for a tax clearance certificate um, to say that I've got, let's say, a million rand. Here it is, and I'd like to invest it overseas. Um, You provide all your information to SARS, how you earn that money, you show you paid your tax, and they give you a tax clearance certificate. And then you're free to go to the bank, and you can send that million rand out. So we offering a service now for our clients. Once they've used their SDA, they apply. We've uh, partnered with a bunch sorry of
0: SDA single discretionary allowance. That's your one million rand. That's a year. the one million. Yeah. yeah so and, the, the- and the FIA is the foreign investment allowance. That's the ten million rand.
1: Correct. Yeah. And for the FIA, so you need a tax clearance certificate. Right. So we've now partnered with a with a bunch of tax practitioners, um, and on our website you can enrol for an FIA um, application. You just as easy as clicking a button. Um, you have to provide your e-filing login. Our tax practitioners will then contact you for additional information if needed. They'll submit your application to SARS and get uh, that, um, that certificate. And then on top of that, we're working on a bot which is pretty much ready and will be rolling out soon that will be able to log into your e-filing and uh, submit an application for an additional FI. So you can only get a, a tax clearance certificate for the money you have. So let's say you only have 100,000 rand. You don't have 10 million rand. You can only apply for a tax clearance certificate for 100,000 rand then you can send it out, but now you need to apply for another one, which is uh, usually quite cumbersome, takes a lot of time.
0: And who normally does that? Usually tax
1: practitioners do it, and they charge 2,000 rand rand per application.
0: It's just not worth it if you're doing it 100,000. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's not worth it. So so the way our system works is we'll pay the tax practitioner for the first one, so the client doesn't even pay. We pay for it. And then once the first one's done, our bot is able to then – generate subsequent ones because all the paperwork's done, everything's in order. Oh, wow. And then it it can be automated to generate. So you can do it. We're going to go as low as 50,000 Rand to do an FIA, which means essentially
0: you can ARB the whole year. Wow. With 50,000. You never have to stop. That's beautiful. You've got some good things going on here. I I think our listeners would be particularly pleased to hear about uh, some of these developments coming up where even for 10,000 Rand, you can actually start participating in this arbitrage space.
1: Yeah, sure. It's not going to be... the two percent a day that uh, that you get in the externalizing the capital. Yeah. Uh but it's good uh it's good low risk returns.
0: Good low risk returns, yeah. And of course decentralized finance is exploding at the moment. So there there's exploding, presumably yeah. there's going to be a lot of other products that you'd be looking at down the pipeline. Absolutely,
1: yeah. Um definitely we're gonna look at DeFi uh indexes maybe. Um DeFi there's a lot of these opportunities as well and DeFi the ARB opportunities. You can lend on one platform and go uh borrow on another and there's an arb there and a lot of these DeFi things and the beauty of it is you don't have to move funds between exchanges because it's all on chain
0: right
1: so there's a lot of exciting stuff then other exciting area is nfts which is, seem to be blowing up just, just explain non-fungible tokens non-fungible yeah. tokens which are like uh collectibles <clears> so we don't have anything planned for that but i think it's quite. D- an just
0: explain in a little bit more detail so what is NFT, a non- it's
1: quite an interesting concept but essentially it's a So it's like a picture of art on the internet, art on your computer. So it's basically like a JPEG. But then associated with it is a digital certificate. And that's the non-fungible token. So it's a digital certificate that represents an image, essentially. And if you hold the key to that token, you own that image. Even though other people can take screenshots, copy the image, print it, do whatever they want with it, you will be
0: the one that owns it. Yeah. Which is quite an interesting idea. I think Banksy has just... uh it's an NFT, NFT. Yeah. is it? I, I, I may be mistaken on that, but yeah,
1: yeah, that's wild. Yeah, that's crazy. So if you think of it as uh, if you had a machine that could replicate a art piece identical, so you had you have the Mona Lisa, and then you have a machine that can make a hundred thousand identical Mona Lisas. Would the original still be worth as much? I think so. Right. The other ones are just replicas. So that's the idea behind like an NFT, whereas you own the original, even though it can be duplicated infinitely with very little effort, identical. There's only one original. There's only one original. Even if it's a digital. Even if it's a digital and you own the cryptographic proof wow. that you own that original and you can transfer that to someone else. So it's a very, very interesting concept. Though.
0: That was John Ovadio, who is founder and chief executive officer of crypto exchange OVEX. Thanks very much for coming in, John. Awesome, thank you. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.